You are listening to a message by Travis Scott from our gatherings at Shorebreak. Visit shorebreakchurch.com to get connected with more content. And if you would like to support the gospel being preached in Kona and to thousands online, your tax-deductible donation enables us to further Jesus' mission. Partner with us by giving at shorebreakchurch.com backslash give. Mahalo. Hey, turn your Bibles to Colossians. If you could, make your way to the book of Colossians. And how are you guys doing this morning? You guys all right? Yeah. All right, that's good. Um, make your way to Colossians. My name is Travis, by the way. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and just so stoked to have you joining us this morning. Uh, if you're new, if it's your first time, a special aloha to you and welcome. We're glad. Honestly, we are so stoked and glad that you chose to spend your Sunday morning with us, of all the places that you could be, of all the things that you would be doing, that you would be here, and that we would be spending time with each other uh, in God's Word. It's no accident that you're here. God wanted you to be here, and God wants us together to collectively come and place our lives under the authority of the Scriptures. And so, um, yeah, and so we're stoked to have you. Uh, one thing of announcements that we need to get uh, that I wanted to talk to you guys about was today at four o'clock we're having our baptism, which is really exciting because there are several of you in the church who are going to be getting baptized today, uh, and so we're we're excited. So for those uh, that of you that know some of these people getting baptized, or if you're getting baptized, bring your family to the barbecue, bring your friends, be inviting everyone. It's just a great opportunity and. If you are part, uh, if if you don't know anyone getting baptized, but you're just here, it's also a barbecue, so we can kind of have a Jesus party at Kahalu. Okay, so come, hang out, bring BYOB, bring your own boards. Okay, and uh, but seriously, come. It's going to be a a great time. We actually have um, uh, right now, right now, as I'm speaking, uh, we have our chef who is uh, he's a Texas barbecue chef. There's going to be pulled pork, beef briskets, barbecued pork beans, uh, corn. I'm serious. It. I'm going to say it's going to probably be the best barbecue you've ever had. So all of the proceeds are going to go to um, the, the, the pregnancy center here in Kona. So all of that, so the prices, it's, it's $5 for a cakey plate, it's $10 for an adult plate. I'm just saying that because it is a little bit more, so you can go cash in your 401k before you go tonight. Just kidding. But um, it, it, so for what you're getting, it is, re, it is going to be incredible. And again, all of the proceeds are going to go towards the Pregnancy Center to support the work that they're doing, um, which we know is, of course, standing uh, for... Um, Life, which begins at conception in, um, um, and of course, as God knits together uh, a child in his mother's womb. That's, that's a whole other conversation for another day, though we very much support what they're doing. And so um, would love for every single one of you to show up. So uh, yeah, there's the invite. Colossians chapter 3. Did I say chapter 2? I meant chapter 3 if I did. Colossians chapter 3. Let's all stand for the reading of the word. <clears throat> beginning in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. 
for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Heavenly Father, we come this morning at your feet, at the foot of the cross, as children who want to see you, Jesus. May we be a people, may this time that we have together be a time of us setting our sights on you, adjusting our focus, seeing you more precious than anything or anyone that is below you on this earth. Jesus, we want you to be at the top. We want you to be in the center. We want you to be preeminent in all of our life, God. And so may the gospel so saturate in our souls and may this truth so rest that it will hit all the corners and all the areas of our life, maybe even the areas that we have blocked out from you. And so Jesus, help me to get out of the way. Help me to disappear. And may your word go forth and may it change us, renew us, make us new. For Jesus, we love you. And you are worthy of all praise. In Jesus' precious name we all pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, for those of you who weren't here last week, as we were making our way through uh, Colossians chapter 2, the end of Colossians chapter 2, Paul finishes off the chapter with this reality revealing how Christ is in everything. He was cut to the core. His heart was broken over the fact that there is a possibility God's children, God's people who we know from chapter one are faithful saints. So these are, now when we say saints, we're not talking about dudes in stained glass windows, okay? That's not what he means here. If you are a lover of Jesus, if you have affection for Jesus, if Jesus is whom you worship, if Jesus is whom you pursue, then, then you're a saint, that you've been purified, given the righteousness of Jesus. And so Paul, though, cut to the core that, that his faithful saints there in the church of Colossae could, in one way or another, have a danger in learning a half Jesus. Knowing fragments, knowing parts, knowing elements about the character of God, knowing certain things about the nature of God but not taking all of those things and putting them together. And when we only worship parts of Jesus we like and we block out the other parts of Jesus, we end up worshiping a half Jesus and a half worship Jesus is not a worship Jesus at all. When we modify, fabricate, create in our minds some version of Jesus we like, some version of Jesus we feel comfortable with, we're not worshiping Jesus any longer. And to worship a false version of Jesus is wrong and sinful, in need of our repentance. And so Paul is pleading with them to come back into the fullness that is found in Jesus Christ. And he says, don't let anyone pass judgment on you. Don't let anyone, in other words, add to Jesus. Because we know what Jesus Christ has done on the cross is enough. After all, Jesus, when he died, said it is finished. It's complete. 
There's nothing more that needs to be done for you to be redeemed, for you to experience fullness, for you to have perfect relationship with God. Nothing else needs to be done. And so all that is you need in relationship with God is found in Jesus Christ. And yet religious people, Paul says, don't let them judge you. Because the truth and the reality is religious people will always, hear me out, always have something to add to Jesus. Yeah, we're cool with Jesus often, but you need Jesus plus this. You need Jesus plus this. And you need Jesus minus some of these things. And then when you have that, you will arrive at spiritual fullness. And these issues, they were passing judgment on them. Were issues of drink, of food, of tradition. Paul says these things are just shadows. Like, why would you worship the shadow? Why would you hug the shadow? Why would you give your affection to a shadow? There's no substance in a shadow. The shadow proves that there is substance, and Jesus is the substance of what we pursue, what we worship, and all that we seek to yearn for within our souls. And so don't hug the shadow, Paul would say. These things are all, we're all meant to point you to these things, to the greater thing of Jesus. And for them, the shadows were angels. Let's talk about angels. Let's worship angels or let's get caught up in other things other than Jesus. Let's get caught up in, in visions. Let's get caught up in sensuous experiences. And Jesus was nowhere to be found in the center of it. That it was very religious talk. It was very church talk. It was even some Bible talk. Yet Jesus was nowhere to be mentioned in any of their conversations. And so Paul says, because of this, they were puffed up. I love the language Paul uses there, puffed up, that these people were full of themselves, and because they were full of themselves, there's no room for Jesus in their life. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so when we are full of ourselves, and we are puffed up, and we get caught up in sensuous experiences, uh, visions, or anything religious, or even talk about angels, or, or, or it could be anything that is other than Jesus Christ, we are filling up ourselves, filling our mind with sensuous things. And we're disqualifying ourselves, as Paul would say. And that's what people were doing at Colossae. They were going on in detail about visions when they should be going on in detail about what God has already spoken because God has spoken, God has given his word, and God in the Bible has spoken all that he needs to say to you. Like revelation the end of Revelation, there is a period. There's not a dot, dot, dot. Now you, Christian, get to fill in whatever you feel like you need to fill in. It's done. And so the way we grow in discernment is by submitting the spiritual experiences and the experience we have in life to the realities of what Scripture tells us to believe. And we know that many of these things, visions, signs, wonders, worship of angels, a lot of these things are done in the name of the Holy Spirit, which is wrong because the Holy Spirit seeks to make much of Jesus. That is, his pri primary focus is to glorify Jesus Christ. And so the most spirit-filled Christians, the most spirit-filled churches are the ones that make much of Jesus, are the ones that amplify him, are the ones that seek to pursue him. And anything less than Jesus is self-made religion. And that's what they had, self-made religion. How can we be successful? How can we have self-help? How can we be better people? 
And so now with all of that, we approach Colossians chapter 3. And, and where we are camping out in Colossians chapter 3 is actually a transitional text. It's pulling all the ideas of what we've talked about in chapters 1 and 2. But before we get on to the real practical implications of what it means to live for Christ, to be in Jesus, he's going to remind us of some things and, and really give us some powerful life-transforming truths. What we have done up to the last 11 weeks, we've spent 11 weeks and two chapters uh, in the book of Colossians as we've developed a high Christology. In other words, don't want to let that, that theological term scare you. Christology is just that, the study of Jesus. And we've studied Jesus. We have looked at his character. We have held him up, uh, seen him lifted high. We're examining him and seeing who he is. And that's even what we're going to do today. And that's what we've done. We've seen Jesus in everything. And what we're going to do before we get into the, the rest of the chapter and seeing how Jesus transformed our lives, because whenever Jesus is lifted high, whenever Jesus is exalted, the result will be your life as it is currently will not be the same. It will be changed. It will be different when Jesus is supreme. And so before we advance into how Christ is in everything, how Christ changes our life throughout the rest of this book, Paul drops some pretty heavy truths in this transitional text verses here. He says in verse one, if then, if then you have been raised with Christ. He says, if you have been raised with Christ. Now, what is he speaking of here? Who is he talking to here? Is he talking to everyone? He's talking to those exclusively who have been raised with Christ. For those who have been converted, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, that is that your identity is in Jesus. Your life is built on the foundation of Jesus. Jesus is whom you live for. You have died to your old self. You've been made alive to God, which is what we talked about a couple weeks ago. And because of that, if then you have been raised with Christ. So this is those who have been made alive, those who have been born from above. So everything following this statement is not so those of you who maybe aren't Christians can do these things to earn favor from God. But all of these things that we are reading are because we have earned favor from God. This is what our life should look like. Because we have received favor from God, this is how our life should look. Because it is God alone in the end who justifies God justifies. It's Romans chapter 8. So if then you have been raised with Christ, talking to God's children, talking to God's people. And oftentimes, like in Christian circles, these, this, these verses are, are very popular. Maybe many of you know these pretty well, right? And they're almost like cute little Christian verses. Let's put them on a coffee cup. Let's put them on a t-shirt. Let's put it on a bumper sticker. Slap some really cute things around it. And then there you go. 
But these aren't just cute little verses, some decent truths. What is talked about here in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, is earth-shattering, life-transforming. If the word of God is shared and the power of the Holy Spirit bears weight on that within your soul. And that has been my prayer for me this week as I've been studying and reading. And my prayer for you is that these words that I would share to you are not just some ideas that I'm spouting off with my mouth, but that the word of God would sit on your soul and the Holy Spirit would bear its weight and its glory on you so that you would be crushed under it to be made new, to be broken, to be changed. Because that's what you and I so desperately need. I mean, take inventory of your life right now. Look at your life from a third person view. And are you really happy with the way that your life is going right now? I mean, I, I'm, I, there, I'm very thankful for many things, but there is definitely some issues that God needs to work out in my life. So verse one, he says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So notice what Paul says here, where Christ is seated. Underline that, circle that in your Bibles. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Few greater truths in scripture are told to you and me that not only is Jesus alive, but that Jesus is back in his rightful seat as creator and king over the universe. He is seated here at the right hand of God. And when you read, he is seated here at the right hand of God. When you read that, that should bring up some things within the Bible, some common themes, that the idea of Jesus being seated at the right hand of God is speaking of The place of honor. To be seated at the right hand of God is to be in a place of authority. That all the authority that God has has been given to Jesus because Jesus is at the right hand of God. So to be seated at the right hand of God is to be seated at a place of honor. It is to be seated at a place of authority. It is to be seated at a place of exaltation. This seat is high. This seat is glorious. To be seated at the right hand of God is incredible. And so for us to better understand this reality and the imagery Paul uses here of what he means when he says that that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, I think it would be helpful for us to, to recall the story of Isaiah in the Old Testament. There's this prophet named Isaiah In the Old Testament, who was called by God, living in the nation of Israel. Israel is living in rebellion towards God. They are not following God. And so God is going to raise up a prophet by the name of Isaiah to declare to be the megaphone to the people of Israel. This is what God says. This is what God has required of you. Repent, repent. Turn away from your wicked deeds. Turn away from what you're doing and pursue God. Pursue him. Make him your king. Stop wanting all of these total horizontal things and get vertical in your relationship with God. And as Isaiah is being commissioned into ministry, Isaiah chapter six, you can go and look at it later. There is the curtain that separates 
the supernatural from the physical world of which Isaiah lived in. And for a moment, God lifts the curtain on Isaiah. And as the curtain is lifted just for a moment, Isaiah saw Jesus. Isaiah saw Jesus, and he was seated upon his throne. We are told that he is high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. The temple was full of smoke, and the heavenly hosts were worshiping Jesus in this beautiful image of the reality of what Isaiah had seen, and they were declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth declares his glory. It's full of his glory. And Isaiah chapter six, verse four, we are told this. Check this out. I want you to see this picture of, of what it looks like when Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. It says this. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is our Jesus. This is what Paul means when he says he is seated at the right hand of God. He is not just a man who took on human skin but he's eternal. He reigns and rules and power. I mean, the image we often have as Christians is this flannel graph Jesus, is this um, blonde haired, long blonde hair, which is even more disturbing, blue eyes, six foot four, preppy little Jesus walking around, not trying to offend anyone. And that is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible, the foundations of the temple shook at his very voice when Jesus speaks. The earth shakes. People were in fear of him because of his voice. And in the throne where he ruled, seated high, there was thick smoke because of his glory. And so Isaiah's response, what is Isaiah's response when he sees Jesus high and lifted up, seated at the right hand of God? He's like, hey, what's up, homeboy? Or how is it, brah? Do, do you think that is his response? No, no, no. His response is what? And Isaiah six. Woe is me. In other words, oh my goodness, I am screwed. I am ruined. My life is, it's over because I am a man of unclean lips. Of course, God doesn't obliterate him on the spot. God has grace towards him. Paul doesn't say here, we're, this is just verse one, okay? Paul doesn't say to set your minds on things that are above where Christ was seated. Do you notice that? He says, where Christ is seated. Is seated. See, Jesus is seated on the throne of glory 
Jesus is eternal. Jesus is king over everything, ruling. And as we know from Colossians chapter one, Jesus is the one who is holding all things together. And the enemy is his footstool. And because Jesus is on the throne, it means you and I are not on the throne. Right? Notice, Jesus is on the throne alone. Like, and so often we think Jesus is like a little kid running up to Santa Claus who is God and Jesus is sitting there at the right hand of God bouncing on God's lap and it's like, oh, little baby Jesus, that's not Jesus. And because we are not on Jesus' throne, it means we are not in a place of honor. It means we are not in a place of authority. We are not in a place of exaltation. And so when we want more focus on us and we want more attention on our lives, when we want to be the center of everything that is happening, when we want more authority, when we often want more glory, it is because we have taken our eyes off of the king of glory. When we seek to be made much of, when we seek to say, man, this life is about me, it's about what I want, it's about how I receive glory, it's about how I have power, it's about how I want certain things to go a certain way in my life. Well, it's because when we do that, we know we've taken our eyes off of Jesus. And so when our eyes are set on Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of God, your response will be like that of Isaiah. Whoa is me. Have you had that? Woe is me. Or, oh my gosh, I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm a sinner. And standing before and beholding and seeing a glorious, perfect, righteous, almighty God a little bit intimidating. Woe is me, for I have seen the king. So Paul says, seek the things that are above. Kind of makes sense, right? After understanding really the weight, what it means to have Jesus, because a lot of times we just read past that and blow up, oh yeah, Jesus is at the right hand of God. What? If then, verse one, you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Paul is pleading with the Colossians and the perfect inspired word of God is pleading with you. Seek what is above you because anything beside you will fail you. Set your mind on things above because when you set your sights on things that are beside you, they're gonna let you down. They're gonna fail you. They're not gonna fulfill what they were promised often by the enemy, by the counterfeit, or by the world. So those, somehow those things are gonna fulfill you. 
Live vertically. Live with your eyes set on him. Don't live horizontally because Jesus is God and he is seated at the right hand of God. And because Jesus is on a throne, because Jesus is in a place of authority, of exaltation, of honor, it means Jesus will never fail you. All glory is due his name because he sits in the seat of glory. All glory is due his name. And everything in life can be boiled down to what or who you glorify. If we take life down to its most simplest form, it would boil down to who or what are you worshiping? What are you making much of? What are you glorifying? So let me ask you, what do you make much of? What do you pursue? What has captivated you? What has enraptured your heart? What you are most passionate about reveals what you glorify most. And so you and I can look at our passions and get a good idea of what we glorify. Now, I'm not saying this to guilt you, okay? There are times where we most definitely will stray, even as faithful saints, though has been made alive by God. But I'm saying this to reveal to us the possibility of you and I growing bored with Jesus. Have you gotten tired of Jesus? Have you grown bored with Jesus? Because often what I set my mind on is not on Jesus, but often I do what Paul says not to do here. He says, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Yet so often I set my minds on the things of this earth. In fact, this Friday I was out um, surfing, getting a few waves and, uh, you know, it's this text I've been preparing, you know, for, for this, this message. And the text had been in my mind. I was thinking about it. I was meditating on these verses. Yes. Set your mind on things above, set your mind, uh, not on the things of the earth. And, and I get frustrated because in the water, there is this other guy, um, uh, he is a longboarder, so uh, yeah, he, yes, he is a surfer. Uh, yes, I can be friends with longboarders, but um, if you are a longboarder, I love you, but can I just vent really quick? Uh, just remember that the dudes on the shoreboards have to work twice as hard to catch a wave, and uh, there's this thing called sharing that needs to take place out in the water, so um, give other guys a chance to catch some waves, okay? I'm done. Rant done, okay? But here's... <laughs> What I'm saying, okay, so I'm out in the water. This text is on my mind, and before another set comes in, it's a little inconsistent, another set comes in, I'm there, it's like, oh, I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get it, and sure enough, Mr. Longboarder guy, uh, you know, this crazy Lolo is just taking all of my waves, I'm like, come on, man, and now I, I know you're thinking, man, pa- really, Pastor? Yes, I know. As I am studying and preparing for this message on Sunday, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. I'm thinking about this verse in the water, and in a moment, I'm thinking, what the heck? 
I just want to cut this guy off. I want to drop in on him. I want to do all these things. And even now, I mean, this is like, ther- you're my, ther- this is therapy right now, okay? This is therapy for me. Clearly, I'm not over this issue. My mind was so quickly taken off of Jesus, and I so quickly placed my mind on the things that are on the earth. I'm sharing this because we all do this from time to time. I did this on Friday, right? You do it too. We all do it. We get bored with Jesus. There's so many great things in our culture, in our world that we can so keep ourselves busy with. We can numb ourselves to the reality that everything we pursue is in fact chasing after the wind and meaningless, Solomon says. When you get your favorite song, how long is your favorite song your favorite song? Two weeks? Three weeks, maybe? And then you're annoyed with it, and then you gotta find another favorite song. But guess what? There is always gonna be another favorite song because as long as there is music and there are pop stars, there's always going to be another song. There's always going to be another connection, another friend to make. I mean, we have more games, we have more connections through Facebook, and, and more stuff to do than any other generation in the history of creation, and yet we're the most bored generation of them all. And the sad thing is, many of us are minds so set on the things of the earth, you and I could very well be tweeting, we could be texting, and we could be Facebooking right up to eternity. And not even setting our mind on things above. And tweeting and texting and Facebooking and Snapchatting or phone calls or endlessly spending hours on YouTube or pursuing the extra paycheck, whatever it is you seek to pursue, whatever you set your mind on, does it matter that much? I'm not saying it's not important somewhat, but does it matter that much when you press it up to the reality of eternity? Jesus won't seem as beautiful when your life is cluttered with the worship of earthly things. You have been called into greater things than just to glorify and just to worship the things of the earth. The scriptures invite us to set our mind on things above. Because to set our mind on things above is to set our mind on Jesus. And so to set our mind on Jesus is to say and to understand and to believe that where Jesus reigns, that will last forever. And there is nothing boring about that, amen? I mean, Isaiah chapter 6 made that pretty clear. There's nothing boring about Jesus being seated at the right hand of the Father. There's nothing boring about pursuing him because there are more depths to know about Jesus than you and I know about him right now. And just when I think, even in my soul, I've reached a pretty good understanding, a pretty decent grasp of the gospel... God's grace comes and it ruins me afresh. God shows a little bit more of himself through his word and the Holy Spirit convicts me and boom, there is another level deeper that I yet to know, yet to explore, yet to understand, yet to to know, wow, Jesus, there are still corners in my heart. There are still areas within my life that need to be exposed to your glory. Especially when it comes to lawn borders dropping in. 
How long does this throne Jesus sits on last for? Well, in Revelation 21, you don't have to turn there. Jesus still seated on his throne. We'll have angels trembling before him, servants adorning him with gifts, and the mightiest men falling on their faces before the feet of Jesus. And with God's people praising him, Revelation 21 uh, lets us see this, this vast picture of how big and how eternal the seat Jesus sits on. We're going to have it on the screen for you. And what Paul means by setting our mind on things above, Revelation 21 verse 3 says this, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. So when Paul says, Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. What he's saying, Christian, is dwell on what is eternal. Think of the magnificence of Jesus. Think about his eternal seat and that he is making all things new. And if you have been raised with Christ, this is where you will be going. If you have been raised with Christ, Revelation 21, you will be there. And you will not only just see that, you will experience that. To set your mind on things that are above is to press into what is eternal. To set your mind on things of the earth is chasing after the wind. You were not made to glorify rust. You were not made to set your mind on stuff that falls apart. Things that will fail you. People that will disappoint you. Things that tease you wanting more, promising something that you can never have or attain. You were made to glorify Jesus. You were as God's creature, wired, fabricated, and made to glorify him, to set your mind on things above. So if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For he says in verse three, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I love the phrase Paul uses here, this beautiful truth, hidden with Christ. What Paul means here when he says hidden with Christ is, well, for one, your unsaved friends, your unsaved family members aren't going to understand why you need Jesus and they're not going to understand why you love him. They think you're drinking the Kool-Aid, right? 
uh-huh, sure, you got Jesus, whatever that means. You keep drinking the Kool-Aid. Their perception of maybe what is even happening here this Sunday morning because they're not with you or your friends or loved ones, they are not here, might be a perception of, well, I'm not gonna do that religious thing even though we're not about religion. I'm not gonna go, and the pastor's probably in a robe. I promise you that's never gonna happen here. It's probably stained glass windows. Maybe you're talking about a lot of things that I don't really understand. And they think you're just, they don't understand but to be hidden with Christ means that you have been unified with Christ and there is an, they can see the effects of Christ in your life, but they can't, see, they can't see how Jesus is real and how he really is transforming you, though they can see the effects of it. That's partly what Paul means when he says your life is hidden with Christ. This also means to be hidden with Christ is that you, as a Christian, as a believer, are eternally kept by Jesus. Nothing is going to take you from him. No attack from the enemy, Satan, or things of this world can snatch you out of your father's hands. That is what it means to be hidden with Christ, that you are eternally his, and that God is not going to lose you if you're his child. He has adopted you. He is, you're his child. He loves you. He bought you. What makes you think he's gonna lose you? He's not going to lose you because he doesn't fail. He lets go of no one. And that's not even all of it. He continues on in verse four. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Jesus is coming back. And he is coming back to judge the living and the dead. He will not stay in heaven forever, but he is coming back to make all the wrongs right. He is coming back to fix the corruption of this world and to make all things new. And when this happens, all your tears will be wiped away. Your body right now that is failing you that is putting you through agony will be put together perfectly and you will not experience pain any longer. The sin that has ruined our relationships will be obliterated. Notice we will be glorified with him. You will be glorified with him. God justifies we are sanctified, which is what we're all living through right now. But this isn't the end. We will also be glorified with him at his return when he takes all that is broken and makes it right. In the end, when this life passes, after your body fails you, and listen, there's a lot of young people. We are a young church. Young people, your body is going to fail you. Your abs are going to let you down. <laughs> you can eat all the healthy food, and I'm not saying don't, but you're still going to die. 
and you can exercise and you can put makeup on and you can work out. But at the end of all of this, don't set your mind on things of the earth. Set your mind on things that are above. And when this life passes and you breathe your last, you will be glorified with Christ. And for eternity, you get Jesus. And there's nothing else to want when all you have is Jesus. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Jesus, thank you that you are seated on a throne. Holy Spirit, oh, would you so shake the foundations of our life that we would see Jesus high and lifted up, exalted in the place of honor and the place of glory, that we would live for him and that we would live for him alone and that we would not live for our own glory, that we would not pursue the things that we want, but that we would see you, we would glorify you, we would worship you, we would see you high and lifted up. For our life is hidden in you, for we have died to our old self. And when you appear, Jesus, we will be glorified with you. So Jesus, come quickly. Jesus, set up your kingdom, Jesus. Make all things new. But until then, May we set our sights on you. May you be our everything. May you be what we pursue. May we worship you with all of our being. If in fact, we have been raised in you. And if you do not know Jesus this morning, as we're praying right now, you realize that you have not seen Jesus until this morning. And for the first time, you have seen him not just as a historical figure, but as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Believe on him. Repent from your sins. You need him because you know from your own experience that the things that rust, that the things of the earth do let you down. They do fail you. They don't promise what they fulfill. But the problem is there's always something more to pursue. There's enough trinkets and there's enough things that you can go after, that you can pursue that will keep you busy and keep you blinded up until eternity. But if the Holy Spirit has shown you Jesus, respond to the work and the power of God through his word and faith this morning. The Bible says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse you and to forgive you from all of your unrighteousness. We have all offended God. We have all sat on the throne of our lives where only he should be seated. And we make a terrible God, don't we? 
And so if you have been pushed off your throne this morning by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus has become Lord this morning, thank him for what he is doing. Love him. Set your mind on him. And if you are a Christian, and you've set your mind on the things of this earth, and you've not set your mind on things that are above, Jesus forgives you. And Jesus loves you. But Jesus will not share his glory with another. Jesus wants Lord to to be Lord over all of you. So let him be Lord of all. Don't love this world. You can't love this world if you are the child of God. Don't find your hope in this world, but let the Holy Spirit so chisel away at the sin in your life and the sin in my life and let God's glory melt away the things that do not make much of him. Set your mind once again on him. Jesus, thank you for this time that we've had in your word. Oh, Holy Spirit, build us up. You don't just break us down to leave us there, but you break us down to make us alive in you. So empower us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you forgive us. Thank you that though we fall, we can get up again because Christ has finished the work on the cross for us. And that you are not finished, but that we are in fact hidden in you. And we will persevere until the end because Jesus, you hold us in your hand and you have bought in us. So may we press on, may we press in, may we press further into you. Jesus, thank you that you are on the throne. Thank you that you are powerful and that you do rule and that you do reign. There's no greater king we can have than you. So thank you for letting us be in your kingdom. In your name we pray, amen. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus.